Hey students, welcome to episode 45 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni. I have yet another teacher for you to get to know this week, and like the others, this one was a really fun conversation. My guest this week is Second City's head of advanced improvisation, Rachel Mason, who taught our comedic literature and improv classes at HRFS. She is also one half of the improv duo, The Boys, and I haven't told her this yet, but they were actually the first show I ever saw at Second City when I visited Chicago back in 2015. We talk about Rachel's crazy trip through nearly every job at Second City, the only time she's ever been starstruck. We talk about her amazingly artistic family and her time working with the USO. On with the show. I uh, grew up on Long Island Mm -hmm. uh, in a town called Babylon. And if you are familiar with like Robert Moses and Jones Beach and Fire Island, that's where the bridge to those places are. So it's like a summer town. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a very musical family. Like my great grandma was an opera singer who sang at La Scala. Oh, wow. My mother and uh, and father both play instruments. My mother is a music teacher uh, and a piano teacher and a guitar teacher. My brother sang at the Metropolitan Opera. So we were like that family that could sing in harmony at yeah. Christmas and annoy the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> you you were actually caroling uh, right? on Christmas, yeah. So I often say like how I got started in comedy was by realizing if I was funny enough to entertain the old Italian men playing set the meds, which mm-hmm. is seven and a half, it's like 21. Mm-hmm. But it, like if I was funny enough they would let me stay there and entertain them while my brother and sister were already up in bed like two hours ago. <laughs> so like work in a room was like a thing, right? Yeah. Like doing jokes and like... You I, had your I, pay that you were getting out like of the Like my experience. father would put me on the table and I'd do Mae West when I was like six years old. I had no idea. Like, <laughs> why don't you come up and see me sometime? So, right? My father used me as a prop. So I started doing all the plays and all the shows in community theater and I uh, got the lead in things mm. and like started you know i auditioned for annie on broadway oh like wow my generation was like let's be annie and what role? uh uh annie Poor and annie. sarah jessica parker got it that year and i've still not <laughs> forgiven her uh and uh then i went to i wanted to go to a liberal arts college mm-hmm. so i picked skidmore and skidmore is the home of the national college comedy festival mm-hmm. and my improv troupe uh, and the festival were both founded by david minor okay and david minor you know produce produces uh brooklyn 99 uh parks and rec right like he's huge so he brought incredible people into my school yeah to like teach us about improv. And I started going, where did you come from? Yeah. And they were like Chicago. Yeah. So uh, me and my entire improv troupe moved here basically together. We all slept on floors until we found apartments. We all auditioned for Second City. Mm-hmm. I think seven of us came here, but only two of us actually got in oh, wow. to the conservatory. And I'm the only one who actually got hired. Yeah. So I like worked in the box office and because I was in the box office, I got a bizco like the first year I was here Mm -hmm. because I was around and I started doing all the classes at the same time. IO, Second City and Annoyance all at the same time, like because I was like, (laughs) I'm fucking doing this. So like because my brain is you're going to ex- binge, binge hard. Right? <laughs> and I would not recommend that to anyone. Like yeah. the contradictions between the theaters, like oh, we said yeah. they're very different philosophies. So like my brain melted cuz I couldn't figure out that there wasn't one way to do it. Right. That there is the style of the theater and your point of view and mm-hmm. how do you bend it? And even the to direction the style. of what you're trying to end up creating in the Hell end yes. of it. Sketch like sketch here, pure improv there, yeah. 
anything goes here, right? Short form here. Yeah. So I started like hustling and like waiting tables in box office. And the more I was around, the more I started meeting people and uh, hey, why don't you be in this troupe or mm. we're short tonight. I know you're waiting tables, but do you want to play with us? Yeah. So I started like getting asked to do things mm -hmm. and I was on Baby Wants Candy, which was a famous team and like, you know, SNL would come in just to see Baby Wants Candy yeah. or um, uh, Jane, the first all-female team, like it was a big deal yeah. back then for an all-female team. So I started performing, then I started coaching, then I started teaching, uh, then I got hired to tour at mm -hmm. Second City. Uh, and I worked almost every job in this building from producer to director to box office to finance mm -hmm. to like producer's assistant. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, I got married and I thought I needed to settle down. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really ran Sharna's training center. Like, yeah. right. And then I had a baby and I realized I needed a real job because babies are a black <laughs> hole you pour money into. Yep, basically. And I went to advertising. I went to work at a friend's advertising firm. And when they discovered I was creative, like they would all come over to the finance department and be like, can you punch up this script for me? <laughs> and then I have never made so much money in my life, but I fucking hated it. Yeah. And it was soul sucking. And I came back to Chicago and I ran into Norm Holly. This advertising firm was in New York. Mm -hmm. I had a four month old at home. I was FedExing frozen breast milk back home and going like chemically crazy, like <laughs> pumping in my manager's office. It was fucking horrible. Oh. So I came home and Norm Holly was like, come home. Yeah. And got me hired back at Second City teaching five classes so yeah. I could like support myself. Then I was offered head of advanced improvisation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, as a woman in comedy, how could I not like get a legitimate say I need to take this job? Yeah. Then I got offered head of A through E. So now I'm head of all improvisation. Yeah. But don't forget, I did a tour co for five yeah. years. I did a boat. I was understudy on main stage and ETC many times. Mm -hmm. Like, I I think I teach at the Harold Remus Film School because I have that breadth of experience. I've yeah. been on a film set. I have directed improv to sketch to film. Mm -hmm. I have been an actor. I've been a director. I've been a script writer for the people. Yeah. Um, it Like, you know that saying, like, actors always want to direct? I think there's something to knowing about the risk you are asking your actor to take, mm -hmm. right? Or knowing when you're a writer that your shit's going to transform in your actor's hands, yeah. right? Like, I I feel like I have a s good sense of all of that. Right. It helps to go do the other roles because I... That was something when That's I when I came in. That's the perk of this school. Yeah, when I came into the to the school, I had only ever really been on my own sets. Mm -hmm. um, I'd always been directing, so I didn't know how to be, you know, plug in person in this role on this set. And you got to so, be if you want to make money in this business. Yeah, and so I, I was like, "That's one thing." So I just hit the ground running and just did as many other projects as I could to help mm -hmm. other people with their things and. Um, so go, it was interesting going and doing producing the last couple terms, uh, and then taking back what I learned from producing back to directing. Cause it's stuff that I had never really engaged with, yes. uh, in, on the, on the producing side of it. Cause I'd always had other people that were doing that. And so I now direct differently from because what I learned from that. You know I direct what differently. your producer has to pull off to make it able for you to do that. Yeah. And uh -huh. I, I also know what, is, what a producer is capable of pulling off and mm -hmm. to know like, oh, this is not something I need to shoulder in this role. I can mm -hmm. get somebody else to take it on. So there's something to be said for jumping a, jumping over to a different role just for the experience of having done that. Agreed. Uh, and you'll, it'll make you better at your role for it. 
Not to mention, when they told me the class I was going to be teaching, um, uh, improv for the filmmaker, yeah. I was like, hell yes, we do improv to sketch. Film seems like, you know, like adaptation seems like the next yeah. logical step. But then they threw me bone of another class, comedic literature. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, instead of like great films, great comedy films, we want them to read the great comedic literature. And I was mm. like, you mean I get to design the class of my dreams? <laughs> For real? <laughs> like, if I wasn't teaching this class, I would take this class? Yeah. And I got to, like, I mean, you've taken my class. Oh, I don't yeah. know how you felt about it, but it was the class of my dreams. I, I, I can tell. You showed up excited for every <laughs> single class on a level of, like, I get to tell you about this now. <laughs> and and uh, and mixed with a, a, healthy, a healthy aspect of, fuck you if you don't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice little pairing there. It's more like fuck you if you don't was, match my energy level. <laughs> I don't was, care if you don't was, agree with it me, was but the cheese prove to go why. with the wine. It was the cheese <laughs> yeah. to go with the wine. <laughs> but no, that 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 class is, is awesome because um it is about trying to expose to different types of content, different styles of putting things together and stuff that if you don't like I'm not that I never would have read Roxy and Gay, but I probably wouldn't have yeah. in part because i'm not a big reader frankly like if i read something i'm going to read a script or a magazine or right. articles i mean more me too than, more than a book yeah. you know yeah um that's just my personal bent uh -huh. on things but uh but that was really interesting and it was really uh and remember it was, it was like, a great voice to hear so not only is it a great voice to hear right like a voice we're not typically exposed to some of those chapters could be adapted to movies, like yeah. the Scrabble chapter. And then other chapters are like the best re like research material, the best like um, focus group material mm -hmm. research you could ever aggregate. Right. Right. About complicated protagonists and happy endings and unlikable mm -hmm. women. Right. She like her book demands a higher quality from movies. She like calls out Hollywood. Yeah. And I fucking love that because we're at the point of where we're like, what should we make for Hollywood? And she's like, whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And stand by it. Yeah. Back it up. Prove it. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I once did a thing called Literary Deathmatch. What's Susan that? Messing was supposed to do it. Yeah. Uh, and she, like, I'm the poor man Susan Messing. Whenever Susan can't do it, they ask me next. <laughs> and the Literary Deathmatch. So first of all, the live lit scene in Chicago is huge. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that I would be in the heat of it. Mm -hmm. I think his name is Adrian. It starts with an A, the guy who set it up. If you look it up, it's mm -hmm. like they have it all over the world. Okay. They bring in like the most famous authors to read scripts. And they have three comedy judges with Nerf guns who get to like, when time is up, you get to fire. Like if you don't like something, you get to fire. <laughs> and so I can't remember. The th oh, Major, oh, Major Jackson was one of them. Roxanne Gay was mm -hmm. the other one, and I can't remember the third author, but he had worked at Skidmore, and I had met him there. Um, I fucking fired, like, 12 darts at Roxanne Gay. <laughs> and I think, like, part of the reason I put it in the curriculum was, like, to apologize. Like, I love you, and I love your writing, and I will <laughs> never forgive myself. Like, I fired them sideways, not looking. Like, I couldn't. Like, I was the only person in the room, literally the only person in the room who didn't have a book on the New York Times bestseller list. 
And I meet, I meet a guy. Means, that means I meet you're, this guy. You're the only one who, who has a completely open uh, perspective on it of being an outside uh, reader in those so cases. So the one guy I recognize from Skidmore, he's standing with another guy. And I'm like, I think I know you. He goes, you probably know me from a book jacket. And I was like, no, no, I know you. Did you visit Skidmore? And he goes, yeah, I was there to visit my friend Stephen Milhauser. And I was like, <gasps> I was in an office with you and Stephen Milhauser talking about a short story I wrote that Milhauser said was like one of the most fucked up stories he'd <laughs> ever read and compared me to some author that I didn't know. And when I read her book, I was like, oh, no, I can't believe he compared me to her. What was the what was the story? Do you remember? Oh, my God. Well, it was about four people in a car who had taken acid. OK. And like all the stoplights were red. So they just kept going and they go swimming naked in the Hudson River because I was in upstate New York. It's yeah. whatever. It's trashy college writing, <laughs> you know, and he just called me out on it. He was if you want to write this, look at how this broad did it. Yeah. And it's so funny that a guy was like, you know, me from my book jacket. And I was like, no, no, I I've literally fucking person. met you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know me from my book jacket. Well, and you have just I appreciate uh, I think that we both have some similar sensibility in so much as how to handle celebrity to a certain degree it's second that city helps you deal with that yeah but also they're just people um, so that's like being a new yorker and being our personality type like i treat the sound guy like i treat tom hanks yeah. like we are all people and all of us are making this thing together right right like let's be humans mm -hmm. um although i have noticed at a certain level some celebrities like get shell-shocked by their celebrity yeah uh, like Mike Myers now likes a wall around him and mm. Dave Keckner is afraid of like groups of men yeah. <laughs> who want to like a frat boy out over him. Um, so I get like the withdrawal um, that some celebrities like the walls they put up mm. because people feel like they own them. But like when people come back to Second City, like Martin Short will just be walking around the hallway and you're yeah. like, hey, Martin Short. Yeah. Or whatever, or if Tom Hanks shows up to do the set, mm -hmm. he's more nervous than you. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm going to improvise, and everyone thinks I'm funny. And then he slays, and you're like, fuck you, Tom Hanks. Of course you're fucking hilarious, and you're going to slay. But, yeah, and it's uh, but at the end of it, they are just, they are people. It's yeah. Not, it's, not, yes. it's not so over the top. And so it's funny listening to you talk about some of the experiences from, from you know, auditioning for things and, and that sort of thing, and just the people that you've encountered, and you're just very nonchalant about it. And it's not like, it, it never strikes me as like a name drop of like, guess who I met? You're like, <laughs> because you'll you'll just be like, fucking Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, it's, like, it's, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> there's there's a reverence to go along starstruck? with it. I'll tell you about the only time I was ever starstruck. It's when I was working at the advertising firm in New York City. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine had so sold some code to Google and bought a graystone on like Bleecker Street. Okay. Like fa like Bob Dylan lives yeah, over yeah. here and um, Elvis Costello lives over here. Okay. I'm trying to open my umbrella and I slam right into Elvis Costello. And like I can't open my umbrella and I see him and like I like we look at each other and he sees that I see who he is. Yeah. And I think I am saying, Oh my god, Mr. Costello, are you okay? I'm such a big fan. But instead I go, huh. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, Are you all right? <laughs> and I think I'm like, I'm fine, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to open my umbrella and I go, huh. <laughs> and he goes, All right then, and walks away. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I've never like and I've met so many celebrities, but like just that one moment where I was like, <gasps> What is it about Elvis Costello? Because I so I I follow. I'm sure a bunch I would do the same thing with David Bowie. I don't know. I fo- I follow uh, a, a handful of New York people because when you're in DC, you like bump the, into people in New York all the time. Yeah, well, and and I've you know. Facebook chatted with a with a few. Uh, Connor Ratliff is is one of my favorites up there. Uh-huh. Shannon O'Neill, I, yes. I follow. They're the uh, best. Uh, I love the Chris Gethard show. So the yes. same, that was you know and stepfathers and and Ask at three thousand and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, uh, but they are. Um, I know I lost my train of thought of where I was going. <laughs> I just started listing off New York people, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Meaning but in, celebrities in New York. Yeah. So in but in D.C. you end up following all these people and and. Um, I've seen where kind of looks like a huge Elvis Costello fan. I don't. It's interesting, specifically that celebrity tie-in. That that's that's one that sticks out for improvisers as like <laughs> somebody to get. That dude is so hardcore. He quit his recording contract because they were like, "We only want you to make an album every three years, so it'll be a big deal." And he was like, "Fuck you! I want to make music when I want." So he like ditched a million dollar recording contract, mm-hmm. formed his own company, and now releases music whenever he fucking wants. Yeah. And th- like there was like he's, was he's ahead of the curve because that's that's the thing that everybody's doing now. I mean Beyonce and Taylor Swift and David all those. Like, whenever they want to drop own music, streaming they will. website and internet service before anyone knew what it was. Yeah. Just see see the see the road ahead. Figure out what you need mm-hmm. and just have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so talking about this program, mm-hmm. what uh, what have you seen come through so far that's that's really impressed you or or intrigued you for? Uh, for where it could go in the future. Well, it's weird. It's weird. This is going to sound like not a compliment, but it's a compliment. I'm constantly amazed how quickly our students are able to pull together amazing things. Mm -hmm. This is a very fast program where we treat you like professionals and expect you to have something at the end. And I'm always amazed when you do. I'm like, oh, shit, you did it. (laughs) Like, if we told you how hard it was at the beginning, which I'm doing right now, you might be like, oh, no. But you're like, oh, shit, I made this movie. I fucking made this movie. Yeah. And the screening at the Arclight is always like, oh, my God, there's my movie on the screen. Mm -hmm. And they're always great. Mm And and you watch people like oh it's I'm terrible and my movie is terrible and I wish I could cut it again and the movies are great. I can think of at least one student that you just did a wonderful impression of uh-huh. from, from this term. Uh, <laughs> she actually apologized to me the other day for she was like I'm sorry for dumping all that. I'll be I'm, it's fine. <laughs> we're all artists. We get it. We get it. Um, I am proud of all the kids who have gotten hired. I'm mm-hmm. proud of all the kids who are in film festivals now. Like, we just want you to make a final film, but some of these films are so good, like they're getting into festivals. Yeah. And they're getting recognition and getting people jobs. Yeah. And all the more reason... I'm, I'm an advocate for... The, one thing that they tried to push us towards was like, don't spend a ton of money on these. Don't try and put uh, like a ton of resources into them beyond you know what you can beg, bar and steal. Was it Tangerine? Uh, yeah, right. Was shot made on, on a iPhone. fucking cell uh, on a cell phone. I shot my my documentary on a on a cell phone and had Fuck a yeah. company that picked it up for a streaming channel. <laughs> yes. And yes, and the streaming channel already folded, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 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 but I shot it on an iPhone, uh-huh. and it still. <laughs> uh, the first TV series I booked folded because the producer absconded with the money. Lovely. Uh huh. What was that one? It was called Possible Side Effects. I was the first. I was a female head writer and only female cast member and it was 
a sketch comedy show that aired after the Howard Stern show on CBS at like one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we shot six episodes, three of them aired, and then our pay started to slow down. And it was like, what? why didn't we get paid? And then we found out the producer literally disappeared with the budget of the show. Oof. How does... I, well, ugh. so I, that to me, that so I not only did I go back to my high school bar and buy a round, which was like $3,000. Yeah. I like, like when you get it, you don't know that you really got it. Right. Like even if, like the, I got picked up, well, it folded. Or I finally got a TV show. The producer stole all the money, right? <laughs> I'm, I di- I, my series was renewed for a second season, but it may not be renewed for a third. Yeah. Right? Like there's always that like pragmatic optimism we need to have mm-hmm. with right? the impending dread to yeah, go along with right? it for what the next step is going to be I, after that I, my husband says i'm the worst because i always prepare for the worst case scenario knowing that if it's better than that like yay it can only go up for there but he's like that's a lot of energy you're spending preparing for a lot of different outcomes yeah you know i i'm, I'm in the same boat though because i'm i'm so you've ever taken like one of those myers-briggs tests no okay because i know what would it what it would tell me there's there's uh I, so i wound up taking one with with my last job and it was the the one that's about like organization versus chaos uh-huh. uh i forget what the which one it is on right on the, on the actual you're making sheet. me want to look have, it up i'd have to look it up but um i was so far into <laughs> the organization field uh on on this one that i actually looped back into chaos <laughs> Basically, is how it how it worked out. That's <laughs> um, crazy. But it's because I pre- like I so I worked for Apple for eight years, so I learned to prepare for Inspector, chaos. Inspector, like, counselor, mastermind, giver, provider, idealist, supervisor, so those are all visionary, the types. right? But I'm I'm looking for the like the the breakdown because it was it, right, there's, right. A, there's four four uh, uh, scales uh, back and forth, and it's it's one of those, and it's the. Um, but it's it's like organization versus chaos is is the, the the gist of it. I love you and all the way back to chaos. So time is a flat circle. History doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. Like you, the pendulum yeah. swung so far, it went all the way back. But it was yeah, and it was basically this this that I would prepare for chaos, and so <laughs> I got to the point where I almost preferred chaos because I was always the most I got prepared a thing for to it. do. Right? Yeah, like I I was uh, you know, and so if it's not chaotic, you're gonna be it a good feels... parent. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day <laughs> we shall see, <laughs> but uh, no, like that's it's it's interesting trying to be that way, trying to uh, um, handle. Well, I'm always seeking so out I will, chaos in I some will, cases. I will fully compare it to parenting. Yeah, right. There's your kid sitting on the floor. If you leave the room, they could a right roll off the couch, stick a fork in an outlet. Yeah, eat something. Right, like you have when you come back in the room, you have to be prepared to like pull something out of a mouth or like. Yeah. Get, bandage ahead there's something terrible could be happening yeah mm-hmm. yeah no and, uh, that's <laughs> i've heard plenty of horror stories from friends of mine with kids i'm just like i looked over and he was standing at the at the top of the stairs and about to teeter over <laughs> and just like reach out and grab him i yeah. think i've told you the story that uh my kid is in his kitty chair he's eating and he goes i need ketchup and i go into the other room to get ketchup and i come back in and he's on the floor about to stick a fork in an outlet <laughs> And I laughed because I was like, this only happens in cartoons. <laughs> and it was like three fucking seconds yeah. that I was out of the room. <laughs> they move quick. Oh, my God. Babies, man. They're, they're quick. So they quickly God. seek death. Fucking babies. 
<laughs> they rapidly seek it out. There, but for the grace of God, goes any baby. <laughs> we are all lucky to be alive. Babies are actively trying to kill themselves. Yes. My cousin has twins. And I'm sitting with her on the couch once, and without even looking, she does like a no-look-behind-the-back grab of one of her twins who's about to dive backwards off the couch without looking. <laughs> like, she's just talking to me. Like, she can, like here's the bottle, right? And, like, I don't know how she does it. I don't yeah. know how anyone has more than one child, actually. Uh, so my, my buddy and his, his wife, <coughs> they had three kids. They'd always wanted a big family, uh, but she, after some complications with the first three, she was told, okay, you can probably do one more. So uh, they get pregnant again. Twins. <laughs> so they have three children under six <gasps> and two infant, two two infant, uh, uh, infant twins. Uh, and she still goes they are American every heroes. day. And, She's yeah. an American hero. And her, her, uh, her Instagram is one of my favorite things to follow because it shows her just... <laughs> Like trying to do like a workout in the house or something like that, and and seeing like just the chaos of a all baby these hanging little from a chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but it could very well happen. Like, my, my brother has twins, and yeah. there's this great video of one of his twins like singing "The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow." Yeah, in front of a tree, and then the other twin like peeks out from behind the tree and is like like making faces and doing bits behind her. <laughs> it's the best the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And she's not trying to make fun of her sister. She's just like trying to do bits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like they figured out, they figured out if she, if she get, makes people laugh, she gets to stay up two hours later. <laughs> These fucking twins. So they're identical. Yeah. So they get a lot of work. They're at like child actors okay. because ch children under a certain age, you have to like flop them out. Yeah, yeah, because they can't so work. The two things thing. they have done are the post. So they worked with Oscar winner Meryl Streep. Uh, and wow. the other one they did was, oh God, was it Succession or Billions? Where one they had to sit on John Malkovich's lap. So they have only worked with Oscar winners. <laughs> These two little <laughs> precious identical twins. Yeah. Um, they have a better agent and a better resume than I do <laughs> <laughs> in this business 20 years. Uh, that's, and that's, uh, that's, that's the frustrating part. The crazy part is, part is, is that's how me and my sister started as child actors. Oh, we're really? Irish twins, but when we were little, we looked almost exactly alike. Yeah. So we did a lot of work together, either as twins mm. or like replacing each other. Yeah. So what, is, what does your sister do? Uh, so all of us sort of went into the arts. Yeah. My brother is a world-famous well, tattoo family artist. Well, sounds like, sounds like a thing. <laughs> my brother's a world-famous tattoo artist who is first in his class at Parsons School of Design. And my sister, who has a degree in uh, early childhood development, does arts therapy for development, developmentally disabled children. Okay. So all three of us, my poor parents, make a living in the arts. But using arts for good or whatever. Yeah, some mm -hmm. sort some sort of social angle to go along with it, which I appreciate. That was that was one of the things I loved about. Uh, you followed participant media at all, uh, mm -hmm. and and so they're um, they're a, a production company that all the things that they produce have some sort of a social project to go alongside that them. Is hot. Uh, and so they they've got say um, the name again. Participant media. So they did uh, An Inconvenient Truth. They did Lincoln. They did uh, uh, Food Inc. They did. Oh, my God. So, I love them. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that they're attached to or behind. Uh, and, and every single one of them has some sort of social project to go along with it, which was, you know, sometimes it's a, 
uh, for Food Inc. I want to say it was something about food, like food education for. Um, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to look them up. But it's and so if you go to their website, you can actually see the projects that go along with each of those. We talked a lot about this in our class. Like satire is supposed to like change the thing. Mm -hmm. It's satirizing, or at least get people to think about why it's the way it is. Uh, and I don't always get like sometimes I just have to do comedy. So when I like and when my satire is social, like to experience like political mm -hmm. like to get that activist part of me out like i'll go and volunteer mm -hmm. like i'll work with nurses or i'll work with uh veterans like that makes me feel like i'm contributing yeah when i can if i can't really contribute mm -hmm. um i had the opportunity to work for the uso as a comedian oh that's cool and i feel like this sounds weird and i'm not this kind of person but like there's no like as a citizen who's a comedian, like there's no higher way to serve, mm -hmm. right? Than yeah. making those poor kids, those scared kids laugh. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I uh, you know, I when I wrote my initial thing coming in, the the um, comedic influences uh, paper that I had to do, uh, mine was on John Candy and Robin Williams who did a ton of those yeah. uh, uh, those USO shows. Yeah. And so uh, They're life-changing. Yeah. Uh, every comedian that I've seen that goes and does them, I mean, even if they're uber political and against every, uh, you know, everything that's going on. Yeah, fuck uh, our government, there. but l I love our troops, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, hearing like Lewis Black go over there, like who, uh -huh. who's done uh, nothing right? but angry comedy. Shit, and Kathy goes Griffin and back. went to the Middle East. Yeah. You know, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh -huh. that sounds right. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's impressive. Uh, and it's... That's cool. So what, what were you doing for for Yozo? Was it like improv shows or was it? Uh, sketch comedy. Okay. Mine is a rare case. Um, we were in Alaska doing a USO tour, like of military and naval, but like any base, mm -hmm. right? We did a Coast Guard base, a military, like a Army base, a Navy base uh, in September 2001. Oh, wow. And we had a show uh, scheduled September 10th. Mm -hmm. The show was amazing. We went out and fucking partied all night. Uh, in fact, my friend Celeste was wearing a soldier's uniform, and we were so drunk when we got back to the kitchen, like, trying to make pancakes. Mm -hmm. And we put on the news in time to see the second plane hit mm -hmm. and i was so hungover and a new yorker who knew my dad was in the city that day yeah. i immediately started throwing up yeah and was like what the fuck is happening and because i was on a military base yeah like we thought world war three was happening like i saw f-16 scramble mm -hmm. right i can see russia from my house like we saw yeah, fucking yeah. planes take off and the base commander was like we're postponing the show like we're not doing the show tonight September 12th happens. The base is like on lockdown. We're not allowed to leave. We get searched going in and out of buildings. Yeah. September 13th happens and the base commander comes to us and says, please do a show. These kids are like they need to laugh right now. Yeah. So uh, we had been given some very strict rules from the USO, like no sex, no politics, no drugs, no rock and roll. And the base commander sort of lifted that requirement and said, please just make them laugh. Yeah. So we wrote scenes about them and we wrote scenes about the base and the KP and like or KPX or whatever. It's the X, what I, I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. Mm. Um, and we put on the show. Yeah. The hard part about this show is because the base was active, our audience was holding live firearms. Now, I don't mean they were pointing them at us. Right, they, they just were, had them, yeah. which is a little scary when you're like, I hope we don't bomb. 
<laughs> they don't have rotten tomatoes. Right? <laughs> so after the you, show, you're thinking, can I go to the mess hall and get some rotten tomatoes oh and bring God. those so in so they have cabbage, an alternative? Right? Can they put the guns on the floor <laughs> and just hold cabbage, like Shakespeare's groundlings? So after the show, like we're all crying in the audience, like everyone's like, oh my God, we did it and holy shit. And I'm still worried about my family who I can't reach. Yeah. And the base commander comes to us and this base, like you get coins for doing certain things. Yeah. And I'm going to cry. The base commander gave us each a coin. Mm -hmm. And that night, well, it's to fuck us. The last person to put their coin out has to buy the round. Yeah. So we ended up buying Sur like service coins. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a couple of friends that have, that have gotten them. We ended up yeah. buying all the rounds because we forgot about our service coins. Yeah. And to this day, it is one of my most treasured possessions. Yeah. And it's in my jewelry box. And whenever I open that box, I'm like, I help some of those kids like not be scared for a second. Yeah. I feel the same way when I volunteer at Gilda's Club. Mm -hmm. Like for a second these women aren't thinking about their cancer yeah. they're just thinking about like what letter of the alphabet comes next because we're playing the alphabet game yeah like if i can give them relief for a minute like like viola spolin said right like like neva boyd and um uh jane adams right mm -hmm. like the roots of improv are in affecting social change mm -hmm. so we can literally use it for it or laterally use it for it to mm -hmm. create satire I I love to literally use it. Yeah. Like I've told you in your class, like write a scene and like like Katie Rich's scene about the auction mm -hmm. and she donates money to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Brian Stack wrote a book, Brian Stack alumni shout out with a cast of Colbert about mm -hmm. whose boat is this boat? Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah. Whose boat is this boat? They have raised over a million dollars. Yeah. Off the proceeds from that stupid, hilarious fucking book yeah. that is nothing but Trump quotes pointing at a boat <laughs> after the hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Whose boat is this boat? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, in um, kind of final thoughts, so if somebody were considering coming here to go through this program and is on the fence and trying to decide whether or not to apply, whether or not they, they have the chops for it, what would, you, uh, what would you say to them? So I always say New York and L.A. are product towns, mm -hmm. and Chicago is a process town. Mm -hmm. And because nobody's looking at us, we can fail and make shit and try and experiment and become great. Mm -hmm. And that's why we kill mm -hmm. when we go to New York and L.A. If you come here, you will be given access to a pipeline that feeds, feeds directly mm -hmm. into those places. And you will get to take incredible risk. Um, whether you want to make satire or comedy or something a little more pointed, like, you will be able to make it here. Yeah. Well, uh, if people want to try and follow you on social media and see Major Tom and uh, all the all the puppy photos, where I have the <laughs> cutest puppy in the world, and his name is Major Tom because I love David Bowie and I'm a and nerd. You were supposed to bring him along today. And I you was didn't. supposed I still to. Still have not met Major Tom. So my kid isn't feeling well, and I left him at home to play oh, okay. with my kids. I, so I'm, I guess that's fine. <laughs> uh, I think on Instagram I am Miss Rachel Mason. Let's see I love that I you're am. looking at your Instagram. Check. Right, I am Miss Rachel Mason on Instagram, and on Twitter, I'm just Miss Mason. Miss Mason, mm -hmm. awesome. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on, and taking the time today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Bye. And that was Rachel Mason. Thank you to Rachel and to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was Interlude by Derek Evry. Find more of Derek's killer music at DerekEvry.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-E-V-R-Y. This show is recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. 
If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com, where you can also find links to all of our past episodes. See you all next week. Class dismissed. 